welcome to the Love Key Church podcast, where we share our church's message of the week. My name is Heinz Winkler, and together with my wife, children, and our leadership team, we host Love Key Church here in Somerset West, online, and on this podcast. It is our mission to help you to encounter God, align with His purposes, reign in life, and help others to do the same. We trust that you will find this message empowering, encouraging, and inspiring. Please share it with your friends and family and write a review for us. And a huge thank you goes out to those who have already done so. May you be thoroughly blessed as you listen to this message. I want to take a moment and I want to speak to the men in the room and the men who are online listening. I always have a a heart for men, but this last week I felt like God put a real burden on my heart for men, especially young men. We live in such a broken world. We live in a world where if you do not have a biblical worldview, if you are not saved, if you don't know what God says about you as a man, you will be utterly confused and lost because you wouldn't know who you are because being a man is almost a swear word now how messed up is that so I want to take a moment I want to speak to the heart of every man and I want to say to you right now God loves you And when I say that, I don't mean it lightly. I don't mean it like he's got feelings about you. No. He deeply, deeply loves you. And he created you and he formed you to be a man. That is his plan. For you to be a man. And he has a godly, beautiful, strong definition of what it means to be a man and he wants you to walk in that godly masculinity in a strong way yes the world has a warped idea of what it means to be a man but there was a time when people who said they were Christians were also not setting the best example we have a chance and I'm not even going to say redefine because God has already defined it. We need to rediscover His original definition of what it means to be a man. And then we need to believe it and we need to stand in it. Amen? I'm not ignoring the ladies. But women, I think you'll agree with me that when the men become men of God and walk in the fullness of who they are, 90% of your troubles will go away. So, I, I want the men of God in this place to just lift up a hand. And I want you to repeat after me. And if there's people close to you that love you and know you and want to pray for you, just, just lay your hands on them right now. All the women... Just lay your hands on the men around you. I'm going to ask you to repeat something after me. And you're just going to have to blindly trust me. And then we're going to pray. Okay? So men of God, I want you to repeat after me. I am created by God to be a man. It is good to be a man. Because God said so. I believe God knows better than me and He designed me so I trust that He will show me what it means to be a true man of God. Amen. I want to pray for you. Lord Jesus, we come before you as a church but specifically Lord I want to lift up the men before you today. And I want to pray for them. Lord, I just sense how strongly you love them. And and how you want 
as a good father to look each and every man here in the eyes and say, I love you, my son. You are mine. That is who you are. God created masculinity. Lord, you created it. I pray for a supernatural download in each of our hearts right now about what it means to be a man of God. What it means to be a man after your heart. What it means to walk in holiness and blamelessness and righteousness in being justified by your son Jesus. Jesus, you are our ultimate example of what it means to be a man. You loved well. You served. You knelt down and did the, the menial tasks. You spent time with the Father as much as you could. You led other men to come closer to the Father. Jesus, we want to be like you. Help us, lead us, and strengthen us. Encourage every man. Lord, I can encourage them with words, but no one can encourage them the way you can encourage them to recognize and realize who they are as men of God. Thank you for a supernatural deposit of encouragement from heaven into every man's heart right now in the name of Jesus. Thank you that you protect their minds, their hearts, and their spirits. Thank you that you help them to love well as you love well. Thank you that you help them to, to plug into you as the wellspring of life and of love. And that they will be conduits of you and your love to their wives, to their future wives, to their children, and to their community. We love you, Lord. Lord, I am I'm angry this morning at the world and how it's broken down what it means to be a man. And in any way, shape, or form that we have been in agreement with the lie, we repent, Lord. We repent of speaking it. We repent speaking laziness over ourselves. We, repeat, we repent from speaking any kind of patriarchal negative thing over us as men. We repent from seeing women as less than. We repent of everything we've said about our identity and our future that is not in line with what you say. And we fall out of agreement with it right now. If you agree, say amen. And Lord, I thank you right now that you come and restore us and you bring the truth of what it means to be a man of God into our hearts and minds. And I pray that from now on, our thoughts will be in line with you. And therefore, what we say as men will be in alignment with you. Thank you, Jesus. If there are any... If there are any boys in this room between the ages of 13 and 18, will you just raise your hand? 13 and 18, okay. Anyone else that I may not be able to see? I want to tell you that you are a man. You didn't become a man when you were 18. It's when you turned 13, actually. And if no man in your life has told you, today you are a man, I want to tell you, you are a man you are a man and that's not I'm not putting the unhealthy unnecessary responsibility that the world sometimes try to put on young men no I'm just saying you are a man and that's how God sees you and he wants to raise you up train you up into what that means amen can I get a big strong amen from the men amen come on if you've got someone near you that, that you love, hug them and say, I love you. Thank you, Jesus. You may sit. Thank you very much. But you know what? As some of you may not have seen it, but Alana was here for most of the song Wellspring. Uh, those of you who don't know, she's my, my youngest, my daughter, my beautiful 
gorgeous princess. And she was standing here, reaching up, holding my hand and looking at me, expecting, you know, something. And it was to pick her up. But as we were singing the song Wellspring, I realized that's actually exactly how we should be with our father. We should want to just be with him. Pick me up, Dad. Imagine, imagine a world where every person that says, yes, I'm a Christian, seeks God like that. Like my daughter just sought my attention and I held her hand. And when I picked her up, the joy. There's a reason why Jesus said we should come to him as children and we should believe like children. There's a reason. Because faith like a child. If you prefer potatoes, you know, you can say faith like potatoes. But faith, faith like a child. That's what God asks of us. I feel like I need to say so much more to encourage the men, but I hope that you feel encouraged. Do you feel encouraged, men of God? Can you just nod maybe so I know? All right. Good. Praise Jesus. And, and I, I want you to know that you have to realize that the devil's main target is men. Because it's God's order. And he knows it. So he will come for you. And he will lie. And he will steal. And he will try to kill. I remember one day I was preaching at a church in Paul. And I felt I was in the middle of something and I felt the Holy Spirit interrupt me. And he showed me that there's someone in the auditorium that has suicidal thoughts and there's someone who is planning to divorce his wife and I immediately stopped and I just said listen when you do anything or choose to do anything that falls in line with the definition of the mandate of the devil which is to kill steal destroy you are doing the work of the devil for him. So if you plan to kill yourself, you are planning to fall into what the devil wants. And you're doing it for him. Do you want to be a patsy? That's someone who falls for anything. Gullible. It's not, a, it's not a, someone's name. Sorry, there's a patsy here. And second... If you are planning to divorce, you are planning to kill your marriage. That I don't know your circumstances, but in principle, that's not God's plan. And I prayed, and afterwards the pastor came to me of the church, and he said, you are speaking to one person. There's a guy who's planning to divorce, and he's struggling with suicide. And, and we, he... He said he's been in counseling for a long time. And, but what I realized is, what I want to say to you, is that if there's anything going on in your mind or in the choices that you are making that is killing something, stealing from something, or destroying something, I want you to know that you, you are doing the devil's work for him. Don't fall for it. That's how you know you're not busy with God's things. When you're busy with God's things, it will line up with Scripture. It will be to uplift, to build, to edify, to focus on heavenly things. That's how you know. How do I know the will of God? Read the Bible. Do what it says. On that note, I want to I show you something. You guys know the game Simon Says, right? And we're going to play it now. Simon says, put your finger on your nose. Simon says, put your hand on your head. Put your hand on your left ear. Ah, Simon didn't say. 
So you just did something that I told you to do based on a name of another person that you don't know. You just know he's Simon. And for some reason he said something. But you did it. I want you to, I want you to know. God said, do my will. Keep my commandments. And you will live. Don't do what Simon says. Do what God says. Amen? All right. The service is only starting now. It's been really good so far, though. Thank you, Jesus. We're busy with a, a series that we started last week called One, Two, Three, Four. I declare a thought war. All right. And I explained to you last week, based on a quote from Craig Rochelle, I want you to remember this. Your life is moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. You can argue, but you will lose. It is what it is. I remember doing a, I think it was the first men's group I was in in Somerset West. We did a book called 12 Traits of the Greats. And the first chapter was about responsibility. And the first few paragraphs says, you are where you are because you chose to be there. Deal with it. <laughs> the first thing this guy addresses was victim mentality. It's like, don't blame anyone else. You are where you are because you chose to be there. Boom. Drop the mic. I still wanted to go like, yeah, but you, know, you don't know my... So something of that. We, and we know about the books called Winning the War in Your Mind, Battlefield of Mind. This is why we're talking about what we are talking about. And I want to remind us of our series scriptures. Um, you can follow along on the board. We are looking at Colossians 3 verse, from verse 1. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above. In other words, if you call yourself a Christian, that means you are born again, dead to self, alive in Christ. And this should follow. You seek things which are above. Where Christ is sitting on the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things of the, on the earth. Very clear. Can't be clearer. You've got two options. Setting your mind here or setting your mind there. There's nothing in between. For you died. How many of you are dead in Christ? You've died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Philippians 4.8. Finally, brothers... Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think, think about these things. Did you know thoughts are a choice? No, they're just going to happen to me. No. Only if you let it. 2 Corinthians 10, 3-6, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, physical, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought. Everybody say every thought. Every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Ephesians 6.12, for we do not wrestle. Everybody say, we do not wrestle. Against flesh and blood. But against principalities. Against powers. Against the rulers of the darkness of this age. Against the spiritual host of wickedness in the heavenly places. But we do not have a battle against flesh and blood. And our weapons are not physical. They are spiritual. Amen. But the war takes place here. All right. Quick recap on last week. Who God says you are and who you think you are may not be the same thing. 
who God says you are and who you actually think you are may not be the same thing. And this has drastic consequences on how you live. Your wounds from your past can open you up to doubt about who God is, and that can open you up to lies about your true identity. And if it's not addressed, you will live a lie instead of the truth of who you are. The whole process takes place in the theater of our mind where the war is waged and the battle rages, and it's fought daily for your true identity and eternal destiny. Why? Because you have an enemy that knows. Shucks, if I don't get this guy to believe the lie that I'm trying to make him believe, he's going to actually do something for God's kingdom and end up in heaven, and I don't want that. And that's maybe a point I need to make again. You have an enemy. He hates you. He's not playing games. Amen? All right. That brings me to today's message, which is be transformed. Be transformed. You can keep that graphic up for a moment. You'll see there the like three points of the life cycle of a caterpillar going into a cocoon, going into a butterfly. These are the three basic stages of that creature's life. All right. Will you agree? Will you agree that the butterfly looks nothing like the caterpillar? Would you agree that there has been a metamorphosis? Who of you doesn't know what metamorphosis means? Would you agree there was a transformation? Is it permanent? Is it permanent or can that butterfly choose any moment to become a caterpillar again? No. Okay, now I want you to think of the movie Transformers. How many people have watched that? I'm a, I'm a bit of a fan. I like those movies. So those who don't know, you've got the good guys, who's the Autobots, and you've got the bad guys, the Decepticons. And they all speak in these very deep voices. They come from this planet, and they look kind of mechanical, but they are, you know, in cartoon language, sentient beings. And... They have this ability on earth to copy vehicles or planes or whatever and look like them. And then they change into a truck like the main guy, Optimus Prime. He, he turns into a truck, like this very cool looking shiny truck. And then they fight these battles and it's crazy. So, and he changes from a truck to a robot. And it's called a transformer. And he does this transformation. But how many of you, if you've seen the movie, knows that when Optimus Prime stands there, you can still see the parts and the elements of the truck that he was just a moment ago. And at any given moment, he can change back into the truck and speed off into the sunset. So is he really a transformer? Because the transformation is not permanent. He is still that alien from a planet who can look like a car and change from a car to his original form, but now all this baggage that he took on is still stuck to him. Are you following? All right. Now, as if one biological lesson and movie reference wasn't enough, I'm going to give you some more biology today. All right. The teacher is in. I got this from a website called vedantu.com, just so you know, if you, I'm not making this up, and it, I did check it with other sources, so it seems to be, and I mean, I remember some of this from high school, a little bit. Homeostasis is a tendency of a living body to acquire a relatively stable equilibrium between interdependent elements, especially as maintained by physiological process. It's a self, listen, listen, it is a self-regulating process. So to, to, to get to a place of homeostasis where you're in a good space, let's just call it that, you're, you're in equilibrium. To get to that equilibrium, you, it takes a self-regulating process by which biological systems tend to maintain stability while adjusting to conditions that are optimal for survival. 
With the help of homeostasis, animals can regulate their internal temperature to maintain a constant stable condition. The stability attained by homeostasis is actually a state of dynamic equilibrium in which continuous change occurs. Okay, so I know I've lost some of you. Basically, for an animal to survive, they need to be able to either internally or externally adapt to their circumstances. Weather is the main thing. All right. Now, there are two ways in which living entities can achieve equilibrium in the internal environment, in, in, inside their bodies. Either by conforming to their internal temperature, to the external, sorry, by conforming their internal temperature to the external temperature, or by regulating their internal temperature. So, we get animals that are called, literally called, conformers. And we have animals that are called regulators. You will know them typically as cold-blooded animals and warm-blooded animals. So, the conformers, the body of this organism depends upon the changes of its external environment. These animals are called uh, ectoterms, which means organisms that depend on external sources of body heat, as they, uh, as they cannot regulate their body temperature as per the variations in the external temperature. Okay, Regulators, Th these organisms are capable of controlling their internal environment irrespective of their external surroundings. These animals are also called endoterms, which means animals that depend on internal heat generation, internal heat generation for survival. These organisms can regulate their body temperature as per the variations in the external temperature to some extent. Okay, so what do we have? We've got conformers who they need to adapt to everything that happens on the outside. And we have regulators who are not that much bothered because they can regulate from the inside. All right. So we've seen now that true metamorphosis involve complete and lasting change. Would you agree? True metamorphosis and transformation should be lasting change. Are you with me? And that change, um, if that change is not permanent, it's actually not a transformation. We have seen from biology that in nature we find conformers and regulators and one changes all the time to adapt to its external circumstances and the one regulates itself from the inside. Are we on the same page? All right. Do you feel your mind is working this morning? All right. So now we're going to jump into scriptures. Yay. Can we get more people excited? Okay. Okay, church, say this after me. I believe the Bible is the Word of God. And by the leading of the Holy Spirit, we will find the truth. And I choose to believe the Word and obey the Word. In Jesus' name. All right. Galatians 6.15. For in Christ, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Everybody say new creation. Yeah. Ephesians 4 verse 20. But you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct. The old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lies, lusts, and to put that off and be renewed in spirit, in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Paul is saying there's an action that needs to take place. You need to put off something and you need to put on something else. But this has to be permanent. Some Christians go through life like a transformer robot. I'm putting on my Christianity now. Look at me, look at me, I'm in church. 
And then when I walk out of here, I turn into a truck. And I'm like, hey. And I live like I lived before. Let's not be those Christians. Romans 8 verse 5 to 11. For those who live according to the flesh, those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death. And to be spiritually minded is life and peace. If you are carnally minded, you get one thing, death. If you are spiritually minded, ding, 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 you've got two things. Life and peace. This is not a difficult choice, guys. Which one do you want? Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. That means it is fighting God. For it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not of the flesh, but in the spirit. And all the Christians go, whew, thank you, Jesus. I am not of the flesh. I'm of the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Oh, okay. Paul. Paul knows. That many people say, yes, I love Jesus. But the fruit, the truth, the change that no one can see but God can see isn't clear to everyone necessarily. That's why he adds that bit there. So then those who are the flesh cannot please God, but those who are... But, the, but you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. Woo. What? Are you telling me that if God created me, that I'm not his unless I give my life to Christ? I'm not telling you that. The Bible is telling you that. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. Do I believe the Bible is the word of God? No, but God loves everybody. Love is love. <laughs> yes, love, man. <laughs> love is what God says love is. And because he loves you, and because he is righteous, and because he is justice, there are consequences to our choices. It's not a free-for-all. He looks into the heart. He looks into your genuine choices. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. There's the promise again. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the spirit that dwells in you. All right. He will give life from the spirit to your mortal bodies. Your mortal bodies. Which, what's that? That's your physical body. All right. Remember that. Romans 12 verse 1 to 2. This is the main scripture for our sermon today. Paul is speaking and he's speaking passionately. He says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to what? To your own standards? No, to God, which is your reasonable service. God is not expecting something of you that is not reasonable. He's saying, this is reasonable that you die to self. And do not be conformed. And do not be conformed to this world. Why did I speak to the men this morning? Because the world is trying to have us conform to its ways. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Everybody say, be transformed. By the what? Renewing of your? What happens in your mind? You think. 
that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. It means that you will understand what God's will is for you. You cannot understand that if you haven't done these steps. All right. Repentance, salvation, rebirth, new life, new creation. This is a final transformation that happens in our spirit beings. If it is real and if it is genuine. The guys who've been with us for a while will know that I'm very passionate about just making sure that people understand what salvation actually means because it has been cheapened by many people. Salvation is the foundation for everything else. If you haven't been truly saved, born again, then none of this matters. It doesn't apply. You will try and do certain things in your own strength. You will do some behavior modification. You will have some success with self-discipline. But you haven't changed. You're a robot that keeps changing to and fro. I remember being that kind of Christian. But because even if you truly gave your life to Christ and you're not discipled, that's the next level, you can fall back. And we don't want to be those Christians. But the first question is, are you truly saved? Have you truly repented? Have you truly had a moment where you're like, I am heading for death and hell without God if I keep doing what I'm doing? Lord, save me. I need a Savior. Have you had that moment? If I've been truly born again, truly born of God, then my spirit being is completely new. It does not look like it looked before. Amen? I'm a new creation. So then, why, if this has happened, if I'm saved, born again, many people have a narrative of like, I'm, I'm born again, so I'm fine. Jesus sorted it all out. I'm good. And you see their lives and the fruit of their lives, and you're like, eh. either you didn't, or you just said yes to Jesus, and you didn't do anything after that in terms of maturing in Christ. But why would Paul tell a church to put off the ugly, the old, and to put on something? Why? If he knows they are saved. He knows some of them know the truth and some of them are saved. Why would he say that? It's because when your spirit becomes new, you are still in a body. And you still have a soul. And how many of you know that we are born in sin into this world? If you don't believe me, ask someone with children. You are born into this world as a sinful human being that only wants what you want. All right? God loves you, but you are born in sin. All right? Why? Because Adam and Eve messed up. We're all sitting with that. You can go and argue with them in heaven one day. But this is the truth and you need to deal with it. All right? So now you've walked in this flesh. You've walked in this soul. You have experienced things. You've seen things. You've heard things. You've been hurt by people. You have done certain things. There may be some shame and guilt stuck to you. Some wounds from the past. We've spoken about that last week. Now this body and this soul with emotions and a will and choices and a thought life that's, you know, in the world. Now you get into a place where you give your life to Christ. And you are born again. And now your spirit is made new. And you have this moment. I don't know about you guys, but I had this amazing high. I felt like the zeal of God give me this supernatural physical strength I felt better than ever in my life. Clarity of mind, physical strength. Like I had a, it was amazing. But how many of you know that lasts only a little while and then life gets real? And that's where the work starts. That's where the putting off and the putting on starts. Okay, so our flesh and our soul 
Are, okay, so you have a new spirit, but your flesh and your soul has some stuff that needs to be dealt with. And they need to catch up. All right. I don't want to go ahead of my notes. I'm going to try to follow them because I want to say something about but we'll get there. So new spirit, soul and body once needs to catch up with the spirit. That is why there's a war between your flesh and your spirit. That is what Paul talks about. There's a war going on. How many of you have felt that? Like, I know what the right thing is to do. I do. I know. But my body is like going, do it, do it, do it, do it. You're like, no, no, no. There's a war. And you're like, my thoughts are going in a direction that's damaging. There are things coming out of my mouth that after I said it, I'm like, you, I wish I could take it back. That's not who I am. And these things happen. There's a war going on. Would you agree? All right. Our spirit, if it's truly made new, is in covenant with the Holy Spirit and would want nothing to do with sin. But the body and the soul seems to be screaming so loudly what it wants that you sometimes say things like, I feel overwhelmed and I couldn't help myself. I'm just a human. I don't know what came over me. Anyone? In order for us to live the holy and blameless lives we have been called to, predestined to, like the Bible says, our bodies and souls need to come into alignment with our new spirit beings. Can you see that? That's why Paul says in Romans 12, I beseech you, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. He gives an instruction that initiates in the reader a choice. He says something that makes you have to make a choice. You're either going to ignore what he says and do what you want to do, or you will take heed of this very serious instruction and be obedient and make a choice that will, that will probably be contrary to your emotions but perfectly in line with your spirit. And you decide to lay down what your body and your flesh want the same way a living creature would willingly go on an altar and fire and keep burning, dying to self. Because that's what he's really saying. Present your body. He says, take your own body. I'm presenting it. What do I do when I present something? I give something. I bring it forward. He says, make a choice to bring your own body and make it a living sacrifice. They knew what sacrifices were that time. You kill an animal, you burn it on the fire. And it's an aroma up to God. It's a sacrifice. What he is saying that you need to be a living sacrifice. In other words, I'm telling you, your body needs to burn in the holy fire so that all the stuff that is not who you are, that your new spirit now is, needs to be gone. It needs to be burnt up so that it can come in line with what your spirit knows to be true. Only then, with salvation in place and with that decision to die to self on the altar, can you even consider to step into the next instruction. So his first says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. If you don't do that, you can't do the next instruction, which is to not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What I'm seeing here is that you need to choose to put your body on the line for the calling of God on your life so that God can deal with your mind. Can you see that? Our spirits are made new. And now he says, present your body as a living sacrifice, for you died. He's, I mean, all these things we've seen now over and over and over again. You have died. Now get in line with the fact that you are dead <laughs> by laying your body down saying, I have died to my flesh. I've died to what I want. I've died to my selfish desires, the pleasures that I chase, the dreams that I have. I lay it down. It has died. Sometimes you have to remind yourself that you've died 
in Christ and come alive in Christ. Now we have to make a decision to say, okay, I want to now live that way. So first step, I present my body as a living sacrifice. What is that? That's something I need to do daily. Wake up and go, Lord, I give myself to you. I lay my, I lay my will down every day. Why? Because Jesus says, take up your cross daily and follow me. What do you do on a cross? You die. Jesus was a sacrifice on a cross. He was our example. What, did, what died in Jesus before he physically died on a cross? His will. He said in the garden, I don't want to do this. I don't. Yet, not my will be done, but your will be done. How much more do we not need to do that? Say, Lord, I am putting my body on the line because not my will, but yours be done. But what I'm seeing from what Paul is saying is that there's, you almost have to choose to lay the body down so that you can be in a place where you can be transformed by how you think. So if you go according to the Greek way of seeing things, we are spirit, soul, and in the soul, we've got a mind, a will, and emotions. So he's talking about the physical, and then you have a body. He's talking about the body being sacrificed so that our minds, our soul, can come into alignment with what our new spirits are. Can you see how it's connected? Are you following me? Does it make sense? All right. There is another way of looking at this. Paul was speaking to mainly Gentiles and Greek people which they see it as body, soul, spirit. The Hebrew, however, sees us as one thing. They don't do the separation. And it's an interesting thing to talk about and see, oh, well, how would that change? But I, this helps me to see that, you know, if you see yourself as a unit, you can still go, well, this unit needs to be redeemed. This unit of who I am needs to come into line. So I have to put to death the works of my flesh. I have to put off the old man. What is that? The deeds of the flesh, everything that's connected to fleshly things. And I need to put on the new man that I am in Christ. It kind of comes to exactly the same. No, it comes to exactly the same conclusion. We need to choose to present ourselves as a living sacrifice in order to be transformed by the way we think. Why? Because when we, our thoughts are transformed into what God wants it to be, then, I told you last week, what we think becomes what we say. What we say becomes what we do. And what we do become our habits. And our habits become our character. So what the heart is full of will come out of the mouth. But I want to make a distinction that not many people do. I want us to start focusing on not just talking about what comes out of my heart. Because we get confused, I think, between soul, heart, mind, and spirit. So we often would in use them interchangeably. You know, I feel in my heart that, you know, and to my mind, this, da, da, da. But if you're a born-again Christian and you've got a new spirit... Doesn't everything that is good and from God originate from our spirit? From communing with Holy Spirit and Him leading us? To me, that makes a bit more sense. So let's maybe think before we speak. Because Jeremiah said the heart is deceitful above anything else and very sick. I just followed my heart. Don't follow your heart. It is deceitful. Don't. Follow Jesus. Follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. Because I'm telling you, many times, your heart will want to do the exact opposite of what God wants for you. But there is also scripture that says, if we submit and chase after God, He will give us the desires of our hearts. It's like, but what is true? Listen to the first part. The Bible is full of if and thens. If you fully submit, fully die to self, and fully align with His will and His purposes, then your soul, as it becomes in line with your spirit, 
will change. And what's part of your soul? Your heart. So now your heart will be God's heart. But don't jump to the then if you haven't done the if. Because that's what a lot of Christians do. No, but I just felt in my heart. It's like, yeah, but the fruit is a freaking massacre of bad choices. How can you justify that? If your heart is not completely in line with your spirit who is new and following the Holy Spirit, then your heart will deceive you. How do I know if I'm being deceived? Know the word of God. Is what I'm about to say or what I'm about to do in line with the word of God or not? And you can't pick and choose what you say yes to and what you say no to. It's either the word of God or your will. There isn't, man. We are playing games with the God of the universe thinking we'll get away with it. Because I've got good intentions. He is a righteous God. He is a just God. He has told us everything in his word that we need to know. We can't go, ooh, I didn't know. You can't. Especially not if you're in this church. Sorry. (laughs) Welcome to the church where we love you so much. We will tell you the truth. I really love you. I really do. And, and just on that last point, I have to say this and get it off my chest. We can't pick and choose what we obey in the word of God. Fornication is fornication. Adultery is adultery. There's no middle ground. There are too many people making a decision based on their flesh based on what they want, and then justifying it by saying, no, God and I, we understand each other. Like, you can't do that. That's rebellious. If, If you have been married before, and you had a divorce, and you meet someone new, and you want to get married again, stay pure. Wait. Make things right. Make sure you've gone for sozo and you've sorted out the baggage. Get healed. Get whole. Don't sleep together before you get married. It's not God's will. You are laying a foundation of trouble. And two, three years into your marriage, you're going to go, I don't know what went wrong. Really? Don't be stupid. I know this is uncomfortable to speak about. And I know some people may go, I'm not coming back to that church. That's fine. I'm not here to please you. I'm here to love you. And I'm here to please God. And if the truth hurts, it's because that little piece of you that's going like this hasn't died. It has not died. It hasn't died. Offense is just sin leaving the body. I love you. You don't have to like me. Just know that I love you. You can either build God's way or you can build your way. You can't mix it up. I'm sorry. No, I'm not sorry. That's the truth. Don't you want to have a great marriage? Who invented it? Do you think he has the best notes on how to do it? Let's do it his way. Amen. And that goes for every other subject. I I highlighted that one because it's something that's on my heart very strongly right now. And once again, it's right here. Do not be conformed to this world. What does the world do? We live together beforehand, man. It's financially better. Makes sense. And we learn if we are compatible. My name is Bill. Compatible. <laughs> Fully so. 
Ek is saam blij met die reaal. Rarig. The, the road with Jesus to heaven is narrow. And few walk on it. The road to destruction is broad. And many walk on it. There isn't a way in between. You either say yes to Jesus and daily die to self and walk in the joy, the fullness, the the peace, the rest that God gives. Or you struggle somehow in between. Like I've still got these pieces of my old self that I'm like dragging along. And you're like, well, I'm trying to please Jesus. And I'm trying to go to church. And I'm like, I feel a little bit guilty and ashamed. And I can't really look the pastor in the eye. But, you know, I think I'm going to heaven. Do you really want to live like that? I don't want to live like that. We are called to live victorious lives. We are called to change the world for Jesus. One of the reasons I wanted to speak to the men this morning is that I think the average Christian male feels disempowered. I'm still struggling with this sin. I still have this addiction. I'm still doing this. I can't. I can't step out. And be the man of God. I can't talk to that guy about Jesus. I can't lead other men. Look at my life. Part of that, I totally understand. I do. But I'm going to get up in your business now. That's a cop-out. It's a selfish, rebellious cop-out. Because you don't have to be perfect to do what God has called you to do. You have to mature as you walk with Christ. And you know what the quickest way is to mature in Christ? Do what He says. If you make mistakes along the way, we're here to walk with you and help you and clap you if we need to. (laughs) Hey, no, do it this way. Sometimes we need that. But don't, don't not do anything because, oh, no, I'm not there yet. No, dude, start. I love, I, I'm going to say your name, I'm sorry, but I love Arnant's passion. He, he has taken the things that I preach and he actually goes and do them. And then he tells me, I spoke to this guy, it was a little weird. I don't know, like, I tried this and I tried that and, and I think a demon manifested, I'm not sure. But, <laughs> and I, well done. He doesn't have all the answers. He doesn't know exactly how to handle every situation. But he's stepping out. And God is going to do massive things through that man. Because he's stepping out. Because he's taking a chance. Love you. Yes, amazing. Imagine if just 50 love key church men of God do what the word says. Love well, lead well. It will change this community. It will. It has to. Most of the stories in the Old Testament, God was just looking for one. Just one righteous man. He's looking. He's always looking for that one righteous man that will say, I'll do it. I don't know how. I don't have all the answers, but I'll do it. I'm one of them. I'm I'm a singer. I know how to do that. God says, plant a church. I'm like, <laughs> good one. And then I realized he's serious. I'm like, I'm sorry. I repent for that. But wow, did not see that coming. And then I said, Lord, okay, I will first do a course. I will, you know, do a seminary school, get my degree. Then I will do that and I'll do that. And then once, you know, in like 10 years, you'll lead me to plant a church. Then God was like, (laughs) no. You misunderstand. I said go. I'm like, Lord, but. "Mm." Sure. I don't have a theology degree. I don't. 
I tried three times to enter a course to do it. And the Holy Spirit said, what are you doing? I said, I'm, I'm trying to be a pastor. It's like, some of you are like, you don't have a degree? <laughs> I'm leaving. That's fine. You can go. But just know that God changed the world with 12 fishermen. Who didn't have any degrees. Paul spent 14 or 16 years in the desert alone with Jesus. That was his training. When I said to God the final time, Lord, ooh, I don't know how to do this. I don't have a degree. I kept saying that to him. He took me to Acts 4. He says, look at what that says. The Jewish leaders looked at Peter and John. They perceived that they were untrained and unqualified men but that they had been with Jesus. And he said to me, you've been with me, just go. And my last words to him was, okay, I will rock up and be obedient, but you have to bring the people. And he's been doing that. And it just blows my mind. It really does. But I'm saying that to you today, men of God, because you know God has called you for something. You know it. And I want to I say to you, step out. You don't have to have it all ready. You don't have to know it all. If we had to wait to know it all, we'll never step out. God is not looking for perfect people who knows everything. He's looking for obedient men to step out for him. I've, I've heard more than more than once from people that have been called to plant a church or a ministry that the Holy Spirit ministered to them after a while of them doing it, saying, you are the fifth or the seventh person that I've called to do this. You're the first one to say yes. And it reminds me of the story of Esther, where she says she doesn't know if she can do this. And he says, if you don't do it, God will raise up someone else. And we have to ask ourselves, am I really willing to miss what God has planned for my own comfort? For, for not, you know, for, for pleasing people? Because that's either, that's, that's the choice. I either fear God or I fear man. And my decisions follow. Who do you fear? Let us reflect and respond. Please stand before Jesus. Let's bring our thoughts into alignment this morning. If you are here this morning and you realize from what I've said today that sure, maybe I'm not actually born again following Jesus. Or maybe you're here for the first time and you're hearing all of this and going, man, I want that. I want to give my life to Jesus. I'm tired of this world and its brokenness. I'm tired of the wounds that I carry around. If that's you, you want to give your life to Jesus today, would you please put up your hand to say, yes, I want to give my life to Jesus. Anyone? I'm not seeing any hands. If there's anyone that can tell me they see a hand, just show me. This is your moment to say yes to Jesus. Anyone like that? Okay. If for any reason you, you don't want to put up your hand, but you know that's you, please don't leave this place before coming to me or one of our leaders. Please, this is your moment. None of us know if today, the rest of the day or tomorrow is guaranteed. We don't know. But we can guarantee where we go by choosing Jesus. One last chance. Who wants to give their lives to Jesus today? Yeah? <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I like this new thing where people come on the stage. It's, it's exciting. I love it. This is makkelijker as you hier staan for me. Thank you. I like your passion. Anyone else? Anyone else want to give their lives to Jesus today? Come on.
Zo. Is het je paardooi? Kom, sta bij je zien. Je hebt wat twee weken terug je hart voor je gegeven. <laughs> Look at this. Father and son. Coming to Jesus. That's amazing. Alright. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And I want you to say after me. Just open up your hands like this. To receive from God. Okay. Say, Lord Jesus. Today I choose. To give you my life. I lay down my will. I lay down my body. And my soul. And I ask. That you will be. The renewal. Of my spirit. I give you my life. I give you my all. I choose to live for you from this moment forward. Holy Spirit, come and fill me, all of me. Help me, lead me, and guide me. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Please, please hang around. You can sit, but we'll come back. We'll give you a Bible and, and chat to you. Come on, how good is God? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. If you're here today, and this, these scriptures, you feel like, yo, that cut to the heart. I haven't decided every day to be a living sacrifice. I, I, I've, I've maybe started out that way, but man, I'm, I'm not on that daily thing. Or you realize... I am conforming. I am not transformed completely. If you've been walking with Jesus for a while, but you fall in that kind of category, maybe, you know, some people call it backsliding. If that's you today, just want to come back to Jesus and ask Him to really, you want to step into that fully transformed place. If that's you today, just raise your hand as well, please. You want to be fully transformed. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. All right, let's all pray this together. Lord Jesus, I choose to present my body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to you. I recognize this is my reasonable service. And therefore, I choose to not conform to the world. But I ask that you lead me to be transformed by renewing my mind. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, church. I love you guys so much. Thank you for being here. I will see you next week for Let's Feast. Please register. Please plan. Don't book anything else for lunch. You come here for lunch. You bring your stuff. We're going to have a great time. God bless you. Have a great Sunday. We'll see you next week. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Love Key Church podcast message of the week. I trust that you had a life-changing encounter with God that will help you to align with His purposes so that you can be one step closer to reigning in life. And may you be inspired to share this with others. Have a great week and remember to listen again next week or you can catch us live online or come visit us in person. May God bless you and keep you. Make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you and your loved ones. God bless you. Bye-bye.